Thank you, Pastor Rebecca. Amazing. Praise God. I haven't preached since the stage was extended. That's exciting. You guys doing well? Man, we are in for a good evening. I reckon that mission video looked like it was filmed on a Samsung. Surely. <laughs> Probably. Any Samsung supporters? No, not very proud, not very bold. I'm starting... Uh, an incredible series that we're doing, not only across our campuses in the mornings, but obviously here in the evening as well. It's called Supernatural. Everyone say Supernatural. Yeah. We believe that you are created to live a Holy Spirit-empowered life. And it's one thing being saved, it's one thing knowing God, but that could still leave you living a limited life, a life that is less than what God created you for. And so the whole point of the series is to unpack the things of the Spirit. We believe in one God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, indivisible, one God, but yet three distinct personalities. That's confusing, I know. But the Holy Spirit is an important part of the Trinity. And we don't wanna shy away from that. We wanna take four weeks over the next uh, month to actually dive into that stuff. And I get there's probably a 100 different things we could cover in a series like Supernatural. But um, today I wanna touch base on the idea of boldness. Backyard boldness, in fact. I believe that every single person here is called to be bold in their own backyard, not to just bring people along to church so that the selected few can jump up on stage and share an inspiring message, but God actually wants to work in and through every single one of us so that people in our communities would know Jesus, they'd know the love of God, not because they turned up in a church, although that's absolutely good and necessary and great, but because they encountered a Jesus-loving person perhaps a Jesus-loving person from Elam Christian Center. And so today, i got a message for you called Backyard Boldness. If you say, I'm ready, we'll get into it. All right. Now, I remember when I was 12. For some of you, you're like, that's surely only a few years ago, but it was many moons ago. I was 12. I was an intermediate, and I remember there was this little blondie in my classroom that could not resist this pale-skinned, feared-haired, scrawny-framed hunk of a boy. And word got out pretty quick that she liked me. Right, and this was my very first experience of being liked by a girl. Not my last, might I add. <laughs> but my very first, and I didn't know much about what to do in this moment, but the one thing I did know is that it was vitally important that I played it cool. Now, one thing led to another, and after a couple of conversations through our friends, all of a sudden we were dating, and I never felt more alive. Like, this was what living was. I had a girlfriend, and I'd never spoken to her about it. Now, shortly after um, our romance broke out on the courts of Farm Cove Intermediate, we were only a couple of weeks out from Valentine's Day. Sorry, I'm trying to open my iPad at the same time. That's really bad. Only a couple of weeks out from Valentine's Day, and I knew that this was a really important day in the life of girls. Problem was, I had no money. I was a 12 I had nothing. In fact, I didn't even have artistic skills to make her something. I was still drawing stick men, and they were scary. They'll give your kids nightmares. I didn't have anything to offer, and so I did what I needed to do. I stole money from my mum. All right? <laughs> I know, that's shameful, right? I stole money from my mum, and I remember there I was at the store, and I had found the perfect heart-shaped box of chocolates. Oh, my goodness. I was the man. But I was so nervous. I was so nervous to even go through the checkout at the store. I mean, what sort of player would they think I was? But there I was. I bought my heart-shaped box of chocolates, and Valentine's Day came around. I didn't know how I was going to build up the confidence to give this box of chocolates to her, and I turned up, and her friends made a beeline for me to ask me what it is that I had got her on this mighty fine Valentine's Day. You'll have to wait and see. I said, man, I was so nervous. Finally, lunchtime rolls around and there we are. 
I'm standing in the cloak bay, bags hanging everywhere. I swear romantic music's coming from somewhere, and my hand is right deep inside my school bag, and it's, it's on the heart-shaped box of chocolates. There I am, my heart is pounding, her glistening, expectant eyes looking back at me, the judging eyes of her entourage looking on, and all I wanna do in this moment is pull out the chocolates and give them to her, but I just can't do it. Like I'm freaking out, I'm sweating, my heart is pounding, I just can't do it. I know I want to, I know I need to, I know it's the right thing, but I just can't muster up the confidence to do it, and so I completely chicken out. I choke, I know, sad, I know. I lie. I say, oh, I, I can't find the chocolates. Like, I must have left them at home. Like, yeah, right. I, I can see on the outside of the bag the shape of the heart-shaped chocolate. I'm, oh, I must have left them at home. I'm so sorry. I'll find them and give them to you later. And so I found them a couple of days later and gave them to her. Like, here you go. Thank you. Okay, bye. But I remember being so disappointed with myself. Like, so gutted. Like, I built up that moment. I knew I wanted to, but I just couldn't build up the confidence to do it. Have you ever found yourself in a situation kind of like that, where there's something you knew you wanted to do, something you knew you needed to do, in fact, maybe you knew it was right, but you just couldn't muster up the boldness to do it. Maybe you knew you should apologize, but you just couldn't do it. Maybe you wanted to invite someone out to that dinner date or to the school ball or whatever, and you just couldn't get yourself over the line. Maybe you've seen someone at work hurting, and you get this prompting to pray for them, but the truth is it's just far easier not to and so you just ignore it. Maybe God's presented you with an amazing opportunity to share with someone the incredible news about what Jesus did on the cross, but you second guess yourself because you feel like maybe you lack the boldness required. Well, in Acts chapter one, verse eight, Jesus is speaking, and he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Everyone say power. power. Say it like you mean it, say power. power. It says, you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses everywhere you go telling people about me. In Samaria, Judea, throughout the ends of the earth, kind of paraphrase that, but he's saying everywhere. You know the word power that's, that's first used in this verse, in the original Greek, is the word dynamis. It's where we get the word dynamo or dynamite. In Mosby's, in Mosby's Complementary and Alternative Medicine, dictionary of that, it declares it to be potent energy or life force. I love this verse because it says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. Yeah. So what, what it's literally saying is the Holy Spirit is gonna be the life force. He's gonna be the potent energy that allows you to live a life that's wholly divided, devoted to the cause of Christ. Like beyond natural comprehension, you would have this burning in your spirit to tell people about Jesus and feel empowered to do it at all costs. I wonder what our community would look like if we didn't just have saved Christians, but empowered Christians. Christians that were actually dedicated to reaching every person that God has placed in our sphere of influence. I know East Auckland would be radically transformed. Unbelieving Papakura would be radically transformed. And every place that God has placed a Bible-believing Christian, that we wouldn't just be saved doing our thing, but rather we'd be empowered to make a difference. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given you a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline, or a sound mind. Did you hear that? God hasn't given you a spirit of fear or timidity. So any fear in your life, any timidity in your life, that's not who you are. That's not how you are wired. It's not from God. In fact, he's given us the opposite, that we would walk around confident with a spirit of love, a spirit of power, and a spirit of self-discipline. Come on, it shouldn't matter where anyone lives in this region. 
It shouldn't matter what they do with their time. It shouldn't matter what they believe. There should be people that call Elam home that are absolutely dedicated to seeing those people reached. That not only have a burning in their heart that they may come to know the God that made them, but they would feel empowered and equipped to do it, knowing that God is with us, He's for us, and that He's gone before us. This is the church I see. This is the church I wanna be a part of. But as I reflect on the last 10 years of my life, became a Christian at 20, I'm now 30, I realize more so with every year that passes that if it wasn't for the help of the Holy Spirit, if it wasn't for his leading, if it wasn't for his strength, if it wasn't for his wisdom, all we would be is just hopeful people with limited capacity operating out of our own strength that would inevitably lead to frustration and defeat. And if you're anything like me, you read verses like the ones we've read and you read what it's calling you to and it only leaves you feeling inadequate, like you don't measure up. I believe this happens when we take our eyes off the promises of God, right? It's because we forget where the power was always meant to come from. You think, I don't have the words to say. Well, it's probably true. You probably don't have the perfect words to say, but if it was all about you and the words that you said, you'd be taking God out of the equation. But God wants to empower. He wants to breathe upon the words that we use. Forget about you and how witty and how smart and how like, wise you can sound. God wants to use what you would do in your obedience to breathe upon it and bring change to somebody else's life. In Acts chapter one, verse eight, which is the verse we just read, this is the promise. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then what does it do? It immediately outlines what we are to do with that power. It says, then you will be my witnesses. And it's simple, to tell people about Jesus everywhere. Jesus gives no other suggestions, no other indications. He's like, you will have power, use it to tell me about everywhere, and then he ascends to heaven. That's it. He's like, mic drop moment, nothing more needs to be said. You will receive power. Jesus says, I'm going and I'm sending a helper who will empower you. I want you to use that to tell people about Jesus. And now that you know that, I'm gone. But I'm excited to know that what God calls us to do, he equips and he empowers us to do. Come on, how many people here have ever, be honest, have felt inadequate in the job of telling someone about Jesus? I feel that way. I'm a pastor, but I still feel that way. I always feel like maybe I don't have quite the right words to say, but I'm glad that what God calls us to do, he empowers us to do, and he equips us to do. We don't go along alone and we don't go in our own strength. But living a life of boldness can only be possible when we draw from the well that is the Holy Spirit. Right? We can't do it in our own strength. See, without the power that the Holy Spirit gives, our words might sound wise, but they'll lack weight. And I don't wanna mystify the Holy Spirit tonight, but he truly is the most empowering force on the planet. But he's a person also. And when we live our life in partnership with the Holy Spirit, nothing can stop you. Like honestly, when you live your life in partnership with the Holy Spirit, you do have what it takes. You will have the right words to say. You will know how to respond. And you'll find, I guarantee you, that you're actually better prepared to share about Jesus than you think you are. Come on, has anyone ever had a moment where you felt like something came over you? Like this unexpected desire, strength, or like empowerment to do something you would, would have otherwise felt like you weren't capable of doing. Maybe we've heard those funny stories, I guess not so funny, um, where a, a child or a, or a teenager gets trapped underneath a car and like a fear-stricken mum runs over and gets a Hulk on her, like lifts the car and the child's saved and there's confetti and the, the whole deal. Like, it's amazing. Well, I did a bit of research because sometimes I read things like that. I'm like, nah, there's no way. But I jumped in and did some. It turns out 
that the brain in high stressful pressure situations like that can send chemicals to your body that actually completely kill the pain. It allows somebody to produce a more than normal response. It's like in that moment, something rises up within them to produce a, ro- a, a result that's greater than they may have expected. We would look at that situation and be like, oh man, I didn't know she had it in her. I didn't know she had it in her. This is what happens when what's inside of us is greater than the challenge that we face because you will always face challenge. Jesus said, in fact, one of my favorite verses of the Bible is when Jesus said, in this life you will have trouble, amen. But he says, you can take heart for I've overcome the world. So he says, you will have trouble in this world, you will have challenge in this life, but when God says, when you invite the Holy Spirit into your life, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So you can walk around with confidence, not arrogance, not pridefulness, but a boldness to know that God is with you, that he's gone ahead, that he's won the victory, and then you can walk with, conquer, with a conquered nature, I guess. What is in you is greater than the challenge that you face. And I need you to know tonight, this is really important, that while living a life that's honorable to God is really important, and it brings glory to God, actually opening your mouth to speak words of life and hope and peace and restoration is a direct call of God on your life. Like, I get the whole, like, yeah, I'm just gonna live by example, you know, like, they'll see the light shining in the darkness, like, I'll be the Bible that they read, like, that's all good stuff, but we can't hide behind that. You know what the church is? The church isn't us becoming the inviting brigade so that the pastor can jump up and share the word of God. That's amazing. And there is power and unity in coming together. But the church is actually every single person feeling empowered to get out there. And can you can tell them about Jesus. You might get a different perspective on someone that can devote their whole time to it, sure. But actually, when someone's hurting, you're the ones to reach out and pray. When someone says, hey, like, what's this Jesus character? You go, look, I don't know the whole situation. I don't know all the details, but I can tell you my life is completely different. I can tell you I was filled with anxiety, but now I have peace. I can tell you that I was afraid of the future, but but now I have peace that he's got me. That's the church that each of us would feel empowered. And so if we're to live that life, if we're to be the sort of people that are gonna tell others about Jesus wherever we go, we have to understand that the Holy Spirit is gonna help us do that, but also that we're in partnership with God. And if we're in partnership with the Holy Spirit, we need to understand the part that we play. Is that cool? I got a couple of thoughts for you that are gonna help you um, be practical and leave this place being more bold. First one is this, um, the Holy Spirit will identify the opportunities. Should be there in your notes. The Holy Spirit will identify the opportunities. Look, now, despite what you and I may think, the truth is uh, God wants to grow his church more than you and I do. Right, like sometimes, like, God, like, would you help us grow the church? And, and God's like, oh, like, would you help me grow the church? Like, it's actually my church. It's his church. And that means he wants to use us at every opportunity that he can possibly find and highlight to us, right? He actually wants to use us to do that earth, that work on earth. And in Acts chapter three, we read a story about a man who's been lame a very long time. And he gets carried to a gate to beg every single day. It's the gate called Beautiful. And every day he gets carried to the gate where he'll beg for money, just enough to get him through to the next day. It's his livelihood. It's all he knows. And one day, Peter and John, they're walking on by. The Bible says, as was their custom. They would usually do this. It was about three o'clock in the afternoon. And they walked on by and the man was begging for money. And so Peter walks over to the man and looking straight at him, he has a couple of options. He could flick the man a few coins. He could reprimand and scold him for his despicable behavior, or he could look past the surface and see an opportunity. And so he responds and he says, listen, I know you want money, but silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, 
I offer to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Man, that's bold. What if God doesn't heal him? So embarrassing in front of everyone. But he is not afraid of that. He sees the opportunity rather than seeing it as something that's like a burden to his life, and he trusts God. Bible says he reaches out his hand, he stands up, his feet, his ankles are strengthened, he starts running around, he's praising God. People are losing the plot. They're like, isn't that the same guy that's been like hassling us every single day at the same gate? Isn't that the same guy that every time I come to the temple, I have to like do an extra wide arch around him just so I don't have to give him money? Man, that guy's been an inconvenience for so long. But Peter decided in that moment he was gonna look past it and not see it as an inconvenience, but rather an opportunity. The opportunity wasn't dependent on what he had, it was dependent on his reliance on God. And the truth is, friends, every single day you and I will face things like that. They're gonna be inconveniences or they're gonna be opportunities, right? It depends on the voice we're listening to. I mean, does that coworker, I know some of you know when I say this who I'm talking about, does that coworker need to be tolerated? Or do they actually need to be prayed for? Does that, that old lady you see at the supermarket who may be struggling to pay for her groceries, does she need to be pitied? Or does she actually need someone to step up and be generous? Does that lifelong friend who can't seem to see your way out of the darkness, they feel overcome by anxiety and depression, do they need inspiration? Or maybe, just maybe, they need an invitation. The Holy Spirit is like an opportunity renegade. He like hunts around, he's seeking, he's searching, he's looking, and the moment that he sees one, he just taps us on the shoulder and goes there. And just like Peter, what we have to offer in that moment is not silver and gold, but it's hope, it's life, it's restoration, it's transformation in the name of Jesus. All Peter did was recognize that the Holy Spirit wanted to do something in that moment and he chose to be obedient. Rather than seeing it as an inconvenience, he saw it as an opportunity. I remember a few years ago, I was, I was flatting and um, I became a Christian right in the midst of a friend group that thought it was an absolute joke. Most of them still do, but that's okay. But I remember so many times being posed with questions that were such an inconvenience to my night. It's like they strategically waited for me to be ready to go to bed. Like we'd be hanging out, playing PlayStation, doing the thing, and then like, cool, I'm gonna bed. I'd stand up, I'd start walking out, and then I'd just hear this little chip, chip, chip behind my head. How do you know God's real? You know, what if you die and then you find out this whole time that God was never real? Ah, shame, that would suck. They're like, doesn't science disprove God? And I would find myself going, Man, it is so much easier just to go whatever and go to bed, because that is such an inconvenience to my life. But I'd find myself choosing to be obedient to what God was doing, talking to these guys till like 2 a.m., 3 a.m. in the morning when I had a 7 a.m. start. Like, we don't have kids yet, so like, I can't handle that amount of little sleep. Like, we, our time will come, but man, that was scary. It was tough. I didn't wanna do it, but I chose to be obedient to what God was saying in that moment. Sure, it was inconvenient, but it was incredible opportunity. The Holy Spirit will always be identifying opportunities, but are you looking? Are you listening? Do you actually wanna hear them? Are you willing to be obedient when he does speak, right? Because sometimes God goes there and you go, that's the devil, I'm not listening to that one. We say, God, use me. And then he highlights something and we go, something different, because that's scary. Can I encourage you to be bold, to be brave, to have confidence that God will highlight the opportunities and he's calling you to step into them. Is that okay? Second thing is this, the Holy Spirit gives boldness, but you have to ask for it. He'll identify the opportunities. He'll give you boldness, but you have to ask for it. 
So Peter and John, those same guys that walk past the beggar, different situation, they've been roaming around preaching about Jesus everywhere they go, and they've been arrested and brought before the council, and everyone's heard what's going on. Man, these guys got arrested, and the council was like hurling abuse at them, like, and they were bold, like it was crazy, and we read about it in Acts chapter four, and this is what Peter and John, this is them speaking, he says, and now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with great boldness. I love that they simply asked God for boldness in the way they would share about Jesus. And then that's exactly what they received. Do you know that God wants to give you the same level of boldness? Peter and John were no more equipped to do what they did than we are. All they did was recognize that God gives the boldness and they asked for it. And I remember when I was about 17, I was working in a supermarket, Food Town, up in Hell, before it became Countdown. And I remember one day I was working in the deli and I became like the master of the deli. Like I was, like it's not something to boast over because who really cares? But like I knew that place inside and out. I trained a few of the managers. And one day um, I got the hot chickens out of the case and I measured the temperature because that's what you had to do. They do do that, by the way. And I put them out and everything was good. I surveyed my kingdom and everything was tidy. Everything was clean and I was waiting for a customer. And then this gentleman comes along. This guy honestly looked like Thor. He was like seven foot tall, built like a truck, like JP, like tank as, like real strong. And he wore a high-vis vest. I was like, this guy does like probably some sort of physical labor. Like, he's strong. And I observed and I watched him come over and pick up a chicken, sort of a bit disgruntled, picked up another one and started walking away. And I'm watching the whole time. He gets about five meters away. He stops. And then he walks all the way back. He picks up his plate and he slams the chicken right back into the hot case. And I'm like, not in my deli. <laughs> and so <laughs> I walk up to this guy. Like, he's humongous. I'm probably like 17, I look 12, right? And I'm like, I'm sorry, sir, is there a problem? He's like, these chickens aren't hot enough. And in my mind, I'm like, I know very well they are hot enough. I've just measured them, but the customer's always right. And I say, okay, I'm sorry, sir, like, if you want, I can go get the, the thermometer, I can come over, I can show you that they're hot enough. And this guy's really rocking me up at this point, but I'm trying to stay calm, right? Because like, Jesus. And He's like, I want to speak to the manager. And I don't know what comes over me. Something starts bubbling up within. And I'm just like, I am the manager. <laughs> I was not the manager. This is a real story. <laughs> and now I'm freaking out. I'm about to meet with Jesus face to face, right? And this is what happens. He looks to me. He turns around and he starts walking away. And in my mind, I'm like, yeah, you walk away. <laughs> and that was it. Like, I couldn't believe what happened. I'm not condoning that. Don't do that. Don't, like, follow my example. But can I tell you why I told him I was the manager in that moment? I wasn't trying to impress him. It's not that impressive. <laughs> I was trying to communicate to him that actually I had the authority to stand up for what is right. I didn't care who he was. He was being really rude to me in that moment. And I knew that I was actually in a position to make the call. I was actually in a position to stand up for what is right. Because I, I knew in that moment, being the only one there, I actually had the authority to say those words and to stand up for what is right. Can I tell you that when you know Jesus, and when you know it's his job to answer, not his job rather, but he takes delight in answering our prayers, when they line up with his will for our life, you can have a confident boldness that God is with you. Not arrogance, not pridefulness, but a confident boldness that God is with you and he's given you great authority. John 14 verse 12 says, 
I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater, for I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it, and the Son, so the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Man, this is so important. Jesus says, you can ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it because I'm going to be with the Father. The because is important. It precedes, it comes before the reason why. He's like, I've been doing great things on the earth. I've been raising people from the dead. I've been seeing blind people healed. I'm doing a whole bunch of stuff. But you need to continue doing great things because I'm going. I'm leaving and great things still need to be done. In this moment, he's transferring authority from himself into our hands. He's saying, look, you have the authority. You have the permission to do great things, but this is important. You must do it by the power of the Holy Spirit because you can have authority, you can have permission, but if you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, you won't be effective and fruitful. Come on, what have we got to lose compared to what we have to gain? This is what it means to witness, to tell people about Jesus. That's it. Not coerce people into trusting him and believing in him. Not taking responsibility for their response to what you share. Not proving to them that they're wrong, but simply sharing the truth in love, allowing them to respond as they choose. You know, Muhammad Ali said this, he said, he who is not courageous enough to take risks will accomplish nothing in life. After Peter and John were arrested, uh, Ben, you guys can join me. After Peter and John were arrested, um, they're brought before the Sanhedrin, which are like these religious guys. And what would happen is the Sanhedrin would form a circle. They were like the court, and they would put the accused person in the middle, and they would hurl all sorts of abuse, all sorts of questions before they decided the fate of the one in the middle. And so Peter and John, after preaching about Jesus, find themselves in the middle of the circle of Sanhedrin, and they're chucking all sorts of stuff at him. Man, we're going to beat you up. We're going to chuck you in prison. We're going to kill you. And then they chuck out this question. By what name and authority do you do these things? You've been running around, preaching about Jesus, telling everyone all sorts of stuff. By what name and authority do you do these things? And I love Peter's response. It's like something starts welling up within him. Something starts bubbling up, like the mum that saves the baby under the car, like me right in front of Thor. Like something starts (laughs) rising up. And in Acts 4 verse 8, it says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, in other words, not his power, but God's power, says this. He said, rulers and elders of the people, big circle around him. If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this. He's like, if that's what's going down right now, I need you to know something. He says this to the He says, know this, you and all the people of Israel. He says, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but who God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He says, Jesus is, and then he quotes the Old Testament, just to rub it in their face that he's the Messiah. He is the stone you build is rejected, which has become the cornerstone. He carries on. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which man must be saved. I cannot possibly overstate how bold this was. The Sanhedrin hated Jesus. They were glad he was dead. They were glad he was gone. And so Peter, in that moment, he looks right into the very eyes of the one that has the power to take their life. And he says, you killed Jesus, but God raised him from the dead. He essentially declares war. Verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were just unschooled, Ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. Unschooled, 
ordinary men. You know the word ordinary in the original text here is the word idiotes. Yeah, you know. Unlearned, unschooled, ordinary idiot. It's like God gave incredible boldness to a bunch of idiots. The literal translations, and they were amazed and couldn't believe the boldness of these idiots. I say we'd just be a bunch of idiots filled with boldness. Most of us are halfway there already, right? (laughs) I'll let you decide which half. The truth is God wants to use you. He loves you. He created you for purpose. There is an assignment on your life. And when you live a life in partnership with the person of the Holy Spirit, you are far more equipped to do it than you think you are. In just a moment, I'm gonna pray a prayer. The truth is we need to ask for boldness. Peter and John asked for boldness and they were immediately given it. And I'm believing today as we ask for boldness, God's gonna stir something up within you to get out there and in a loving way to share the good news about what Jesus has done in our life. Truth is every believer has the Holy Spirit in them. That's a promise of God. But to be baptized in the Holy Spirit is a completely different thing. To be baptized, the word baptized means completely immersed in, completely covered. And at the end of our service today, we've got a team that would love to stand up and minister and pray for you. If you've never been fully baptized in the Holy Spirit and you call yourself a Christian, can I say you want this? In fact, you need this. You need this to be fully empowered to live the life that God created you to live. You may live a good life, but God created you for a great life, for an effective and fruitful life. And so at the end of the service, We're gonna invite you up again and allow you to take that time and we're gonna make some time and space for that. But right now with every eye opened and every person looking around, if you're sitting here today and you're like, I believe in Jesus, I know that he's changing my life and I want more boldness to be able to share that with other people, I want you to stand to your feet right now. I'm gonna pray for you. You're saying, I want boldness. I want God to breathe upon the words that I share. I want him to give me confidence. I want him to give me peace. Come on, let's pray. God, I thank you that you are in fact the most incredible life-giving God and you call greatness out of us. And I pray, God, for every person that's standing right now in the same way that Peter and John asked for boldness, God, would you give it to us? Would you give us a peace? Would you give us an assurance that you've gone before us? And God, even though we may stumble out some sort of coherent sentence the best way that we know how, I pray, God, you would breathe upon those words. You would open up hearts and you would allow the words that we share in a loving way to begin drawing people towards you. I pray, God, that you would use us in a mighty way. We are sick and tired of coming across struggle and challenge in this community when we can see with our own eyes that they would be set free with a relationship with Jesus. And so, God, our cry and our prayer today is use us. Give us boldness like Peter and John had that you may be glorified in Jesus' name. With every eye still closed and head still bowed, I'm gonna pray one final prayer. Maybe you're here today. You're standing in a church building, and the truth is, even if you've been in church for a long time or maybe you're just visiting with us today, if you were to say the truth is Jesus is not the center of my life, well, I wanna pray a prayer. And it's simply an invitation from God to you. And he says, would you give me your life? And God wants to wipe your slate clean, give you a brand new start. He loves you so much. And he has the most incredible plan for your life. And you don't have to get your life sorted out before you come to God, but he says exactly as you are, I love you, I'm for you, I have a plan for your life. I wanna show you what I created you for. I'm gonna pray a prayer out loud. And if that's you today, you need to get your life right with God. You're just one simple prayer away. You pray this prayer in your heart, you mean it with everything you've got. Say, dear Jesus, 
I acknowledge that I've sinned. I've chosen my own way above your way, but I've had enough of that. And right now, God, I turn from my way of life to your way of life. I ask you to forgive me of my sin, and I thank you that you do. I ask you to come in and make me brand new today. I pray, God, that you would free me from any bondage that I feel like has a hold on my life. And I pray that you would give me the freedom that you promise. I choose from this day to live for you in Jesus' name. Come on, with every eye still closed and head still bowed, if you prayed that prayer, if you meant so, I'm not gonna embarrass you, but I want you to do something nice and brave in just a few moments. I'm gonna count down from three. If that was you, I want you to lift your hand nice and high. I'll spot your hand, you can put it straight back down. This is you saying to God, I prayed that prayer. Don't delay, this is your moment. Three, two, one, lift your hand right now, awesome, amen. Praise God, hands up everywhere. Why don't you just put your hand up nice and high just for a moment. Amazing, God is so proud of you on my right, on my left. Praise God, is there anyone else? If you put your hand up, you can put it down now. But I just wanna give one final moment. Is there anyone else? You prayed that prayer, you meant it, it was real for you, you're serious about it. Final moment, is there anyone else? Come on, let me pray for you. Awesome, thank you. And, and then here in the middle, awesome. God, I thank you for the hands that were lifted for they represent absolutely transformed lives. I thank you, God, that uh, your grace is enough for these people. God, would you support them? Would you bring the right people around them? Would you help them to journey this brand new adventure with you? We thank you for that in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we celebrate a whole bunch of people that gave their life to Jesus tonight? We're so proud of you. That's amazing. Cool. Fantastic. Can we thank Frosty for a great word tonight?